I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s She looked like a million bucks. scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich men because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. Is he breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, guys, and welcome back to another new episode of Uni Therapy. My name is Kat, and I'm the host here. Quick little reminder before we get started. Yes, this podcast is called Uni Therapy, but this in itself is not therapy. It is just a resource. So I was thinking about how like I started this career. I started being a therapist a long time ago. Like I went to school when I was 22, started my internship when I was like 23. And I just started thinking about like how I started and then like what I've learned along the way. And it's so funny because when you start being a therapist, you can't just like know all of the things that you're going to know that eventually make you into the kind of therapist that you are, like evolve you into the kind of therapist you are. You have to just start with what you know and learn along along the way. And you start with like the information and, and the trainings you do in school. And that's so important. But you learn so much by experience and being a human. And you can only learn so much in a classroom. I mean, definitely helps you need to go to school. <laughs> but if you want to be a therapist. Um, but it's not the only part. So what I started to do, and I made this like super long list, is I started to write down all of the things that I have learned like along the way. So I started making like a Google Doc that just basically was like quotes or just like messages or hard truths or just myths and stuff like that. Like things I've learned along the way that have been really helpful and kind of helped evolve me into the kind of helper I am. And some of them took nine years to figure out and some took like 30 days and clicked immediately. Some make sense and at the same time are like very hard to still like sit inside of your soul like you can know them but it's hard to like feel know them and this list is like 56 pages long so I wanted to do an episode where I kind of talked about this list but that would be too much <laughs> it would just be be like reading those things and so I don't think that'd be helpful so I decided to pick 15 they're not necessarily the top 15 I don't think you can rank this stuff but they're just important ones that I just chose so some of this stuff I've talked about on here some of it I have not it's a little bit of a mixed bag so let me present to you 15 things being a therapist has taught me so far 
Number one, it's not always about you. Yeah, this one is so hard to actually believe sometimes, but so freaking powerful when you do. You see, we are born this like insanely egocentric being. Like that's just how we are in the early stages of development. Being egocentric is like the very normal tendency or or way that a, a child sees everything as it all relates and, and is happening to them. It's not like being selfish. It's just not, you don't have the ability to like understand how the world works yet. And as we move through life, we're supposed to grow out of this and we're supposed to develop this ability to see that like other people's behavior isn't always revolving around us, but it doesn't always happen. And then what does happen is we can find ourselves saying over and over again, things like, what's wrong with me? Why am I not enough? Why wasn't I enough? Why was I too much? What could I have done better? And the reality is these are all irrelevant because often the behavior of others has very little to do with us and we just can't stop making it about us. Now, often this can happen as a result of childhood trauma, maybe needs, be it emotional, physical, any of that aren't met consistently, or you grow up in chaos, or a family member leaves, or a family member dies when you're still in that like natural state of egocentricness. And as a small child or adolescent, we just naturally think these things are because of us. And if that belief isn't addressed, then it just becomes like a screen, which I've talked about the screens on this podcast a lot. So it becomes kind of like a lens that we see the world through. And it actually is not accurate. So when we do develop and we do adopt the truth that like not everything is about us, our world has the opportunity to just like change dramatically. So number one, it's not always about you. Number two, there's a lot of bad in the world and there's still good. The trick is allowing yourself to see both. And oh my gosh, my first couple of years working as a therapist, I got like emotionally beat up. I found myself stuck in this spot of do I become jaded by life and do I just like think the world is evil and do I just like take on this hardened outlook on humanity or is there like another option? I would like there to be another option, but I'm leaning towards like become jaded by life. And I found myself in this spot where like I didn't really know how to like survive and like enjoy being in our world. I was doing that thing where like you see something and then basically it's all you pay attention to. So then it's all you see and then you just think that you see more of it because it's all you see, but really it's because you're just paying attention to one thing. So we do it to ourselves. And the truth is there's a lot of like fucked up shit in the world, like a lot, but that's not all there is. And I cannot take away the bad. We cannot take away the bad. We can't get rid of that. But me thinking that the world is just forever evil robs me of the ability to experience that this is not the whole story. There is good in the world. We just have to be brave enough to see it. Number three, not everything can be fixed and not everything deserves fixing. Yeah. So this kind of speaks to itself. Humans have a hard time sitting in discomfort. I think we've definitely decided that here on the podcast. And it can be super uncomfortable to have broken relationships, broken anything. Often relationships and things break because they just don't work together. So not everything can be fixed and not everything deserves fixing. Number four, we would all be very lost without valley moments. Now, I know this one is very cliche, but also it's not wrong. This always reminds me of the part in The Glass Castle, which was a book that I had to read in undergrad. And I kind of want to read it again because I forgot how freaking good it is. But there's this part in The Glass Castle where they're talking about the Joshua tree. And I'm just going to read a little, like it's like two sentences from the book. 
One time I saw a tiny Joshua tree sapling growing not too far from the old tree. I wanted to dig it up and replant it near our house. I told mom that I would protect it from the wind and water every single day so that it could grow nice and tall and straight. Mom frowned at me. You'd be destroying what makes it special, she said. It's the Joshua tree's struggle that gives it its beauty. Oh, and I just love it because if you know what a Joshua tree is, it's those like windy, twinny and like twirly things and like they're so freaking cool. And it's so true, like the struggle that that gives it its beauty. Without the struggle, it wouldn't look that way. And I will always stand by the idea that we can be grateful for our growth without being grateful for the thing that made us grow. I'm not grateful for trauma. I want to be very clear about that. I'm not grateful for trauma. I am grateful for the parts of me that I was forced to find and see and hold and know because of what I've gone through. I'm not grateful for the trauma. But a lot of the hard parts of life are what have forced me to tap into the parts of me that I might not ever find if I didn't have to find them. Which leads me to number five. Four, five, and six kind of all go together. Number five, asking for help is one of the most vulnerable and courageous things humans can do. This is also one of the things that um, is the hardest for people to do, which I found very, 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 very early on. It is extremely difficult for people to ask for help for different reasons. And I wonder often when we're going to universally acknowledge that like asking for help is like actually a huge act of strength and, and power. I mean, we're humans and, and humans were put on earth more than one at a time. I'm pretty sure for a reason. And we were literally created to need people and to be connected to people. Like actually we were born connected to another human. Like it's that literal. And what we know through through just like living life and also through research and science is that like humans can't develop fully in like a vacuum by themselves. They need people. They just do. If you want to be a functional human, you need other people. That is just a truth. And we never stop being humans throughout our life. So like, it's not like when you're a kid, you can you can need people because you're a human when you're a kid. But when you get older, you turn into this like robot thing that doesn't need. No, you're always a human. So that means you never stop needing, which brings me into number six. Like I said, four, five, and six are kind of connected. We don't just need help in our valley moments. I love talking about the valley. I really do. Maybe I'll do an episode on that. But this was a later lesson for me. It came after I realized very early on that asking for help is like an amazing sign of strength. But it, I think it clicked after I realized how important like aftercare was when it came to the recovery process, like when I was working in treatment and you'd put so much effort into making sure people had all this aftercare and we had all these resources and we had these backup plans, these, all this stuff. And it was like, why do we, like, these people are sober now? They've worked on their trauma. Why do we still need this? <laughs> and it's because like when we come to like the early stages of like, okay, I need help. Like when we were finally like, okay, I need help. There's usually like a little bit of like motivation to do the work and, and feel better. And then like we we get excited because it's things are working and then we're climbing to the top of the mountain and we're getting out of the valley. And so we're doing all the things. And then once we get to the the top of the mountain, it's like, okay, I'm done. But then we forget that like the reason that we got to the top of the mountain is because I was doing all of these things. So what's going to happen when I stop doing these things, when I stop needing support or thinking that I need support, when I stop doing the things that I know help me walk into my day with a good attitude or the energy that I, I need, when I do the things that allow me to rest, when I do the things that allow me to, all that, but you're going to fall down the mountain. If we stop doing the things that make us feel better and more full and more human and more alive, then eventually we're, we're going to go back to where we started. I get why that's 
tough and why we don't want that to be true because it's like ah oh, does does the work ever end but like it kind of doesn't we just got to keep doing those things we don't just need help in valley moments number seven conflict is necessary to build intimacy if there's no conflict in a relationship then somebody's not being honest i'll just say that if there's no it's never ever 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 any conflict in a relationship somebody is not being either transparent or honest or vulnerable and there's no way that two people never have one ounce of conflict if they're both being fully themselves and i say this knowing that conflict isn't bad it's an opportunity to know someone deeper and learn just like we learn from our valley moments right and i love this idea that i ran into and this could be a whole nother point but i'm going to put it in here that like what makes a relationship strong isn't how compatible and like perfect you are together but how you handle incompatibility like when those things do come up when you do disagree it's not really about oh we just fit perfectly because we are a perfect match because like perfect does not exist in the world it's oh we know we are not perfect and in our imperfection we have the ability to sit and work through and be in that stuff together so Conflict is necessary to build intimacy. If I want to know somebody deeper, I have to allow them and I have to allow myself to be fully vulnerable. If I want intimacy, I have to be vulnerable. Vulnerability invites conflict. Conflict helps us know people deeper. All of that is intertwined. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how, I don't know where, I don't know what. God, if you show me, God, if you tell me, God, if no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. 
Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Number eight, if it looks like someone's life is perfect, there is a very high chance it's actually chaotic. And I feel like I don't really need to say a lot here, but like, hear me out. I see it all. I see it all. Like I see the insides of so many people's lives and I just need you to trust me here. Like perfect is not a thing. So if something looks perfect, there is a chance that you are either not seeing the full picture or there is a lot of masking going on. And the good news is here, it doesn't really matter because we don't need to identify how good our life is by sizing up someone else's life around us. And I heard Annie F. Downs say this on her podcast, That Sounds Fun, one time, and I just love it so much. She said, if we are deciding if our life is okay by looking at someone else's life, we're always going to come up wanting because we usually look at like the outsides of other people's lives and we compare our insides to everybody's outsides and we think that their outsides are perfect and like maybe they are, I don't know, that doesn't really make sense to me because perfect to one person isn't perfect to another and like what is perfect and all that. But if we are always looking to other people to figure out if we have enough, we're always not gonna have enough because the reality is we all need differences. We don't all need the same. But if you think somebody's life is perfect, I just want you to know you are probably not seeing the whole picture or you're not seeing clearly. Okay, number nine, you cannot withdraw your way to connection. And uh, this is a tricky one because I bet more of us do this than we want to admit. But one of the like deepest and like most like, I guess, universal desires for human beings is the desire to connect, to connect with other people. We all just like want connection and connection heals us. But to get connection, we have to move to, we can't move away. And so often we do this thing where we lean away, hoping that someone will lean into us. But as we lean away, a lot of times those people either stay where they are or they also will lean away too because they're like sensing your vibe, right? You can't withdraw your way to connection. That's a very passive aggressive and just like not honest, not vulnerable and connection is vulnerable. It's not the true way to actually connect to people. Connecting is saying, hey, I have a need. Hey, I have a feeling. Hey, I have a desire. I need you to hear me. It's not rolling over and hoping that the other person will tap you on the shoulder and be like, what's wrong? All right, number 10, acceptance can be more healing than love. Love, in fact, is not always the answer. And I know this is crazy, right? It's crazy that I just said that because we're not taught that, but sometimes it's impossible. Sometimes it's just impossible to love something or someone. It just is. And in those cases when we can't learn to love ourselves or our bodies or somebody else or an experience, we get to choose something else. Like there is another option and that other option is called acceptance. 
And there actually is a skill called radical acceptance that a woman named Marsha Linehan has created in her skills that go into this overhead idea of therapy called DBT. It's a whole school of therapy, dialectical behavioral therapy. And radical acceptance is one of the biggest skills used inside of that therapy process. And the truth is, it's very, 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 very exhausting to fight reality. Like, it's very exhausting. And then also, it doesn't work. Like, we can't just, like, fight reality and then win and be like, reality is not reality. I win. Like, no, you can't actually change reality. And I also can find myself trying to do this sometimes. Like, this can't be true. This isn't whatever. Or uh, I have to learn to do this. Or I have to do that. But refusing to accept reality doesn't make our pain go away. It just ends up turning our pain into suffering. So I'm going to say that again. Refusing to accept reality doesn't make our pain go away. It just turns our pain into suffering. So this skill of radical acceptance is very helpful in situations when you can't change reality and you can't change how you feel about reality. And radical acceptance does not mean that you agree with what's happening or what has happened to you. Rather, it just signals like an opportunity for hope because you are accepting things as they are and not fighting. So if you want to learn more about radical acceptance, you honestly could Google it and find a lot of good information on it. Um, If you search Marsha Linehan, a bunch of stuff will come up. DBT is awesome. So if you're in therapy, you can like ask your therapist, I want to learn more about this. Most therapists know at least a baseline amount of dbt because their skills can be universal even if you don't practice solely dbt and maybe we'll do a whole episode on that as well one day we're going to do this podcast forever i've decided so we have a lot of episodes so i can use whatever topics i need to use number 11 sometimes things don't make sense and that's the point period one of the biggest encouragements i would like to give to any and all human beings is do not attempt to understand why a dysfunctional or very unhealthy person does what they do. Just understand that it's dysfunctional, understand that they're not healthy, and then put a period. To actually figure that out can sometimes be super damaging because at the same time, you're trying to rationalize certain behaviors that can't be rationalized. For example, when people ask questions like, why did this happen to me? When talking about like abuse or trauma and stuff like that, it sends a message that your abuse has something to do with you and it can be explained and it can make sense to you. And abuse just can't make sense. It's not okay. And I know we want to make sense of things because it it tells us like in our heads, if I can make sense of this, I can understand it and then maybe I won't feel this way. But I think it's very empowering to know that there are certain things that don't make sense because they're so messed up. So sometimes things don't make sense and that's just the point. Number 12, behavior is a symptom not the problem. And this is where the idea of focusing on the cause, not the symptom comes in. When it comes to addiction, especially, I am relentless here. I did an episode on addiction a while ago that I highly suggest listening to. And there's this genius man named Gabor Mate, who I talk a lot about on that episode. And he illustrates this idea perfectly when he speaks about how addiction is looked at in our society. Because we look at humans and we say, like, why are you doing this? Why are you smoking? Why are you drinking? Why are you doing these drugs? Why are you watching this? Or why why do you keep doing that? And it's like, well, maybe that's not the question we need to be asking. Because maybe that behavior is not actually the problem and it's a symptom of a bigger problem. And so the question we might want to ask instead of, like, why the addiction is, why are you in so much pain? So behavior is a symptom. It's not the problem. And I think if we can own that for ourselves and other people, it can allow us to be so much more loving and caring towards ourselves and accepting if that's what you need. 
Number 13, you don't actually have to work hard to be who you are. You have to work hard to stop being who you aren't. Just let that one sink in. Being ourselves actually comes very naturally. It's the other stuff that clouds our our being and, and clouds our relationships and it clouds our thoughts. That fear of not being able to control being loved or understood or being loved by certain people really screws with our ability to show up. So we develop all of these things, whether they're behaviors or thoughts or ways we show up and all of the ways we look, ways we dress, we develop all of these things and attempt to get what we all truly want, love, connection, acceptance, belonging. And then these like become like coats of armor almost. And, and, and so it's, it's not so hard to be you. That's a natural thing. If you took the coats of armor off, there you'd be. But it's hard to take those coats of armor off because if I take this off, what's going to happen? What won't I get? What won't I have? And the question I would even ask here to like transform that, what won't I get? What won't I have? Is what is my armor keeping me from? What's my armor keeping me from? If I was created on purpose for a purpose with purpose, the way I was for a purpose, but then I put all this armor on, I don't show up with that as that human. There's something that I'm like probably not getting because the creation I was created as doesn't get to show up. But it's really, really hard and scary to take that stuff off. And so people, I hear people say all the time, like, I don't know who I am, or it's hard to be who I am, and or it's hard to show up as authentic. And I'm like, I don't know if that's the thing that we need to look at. I think it's hard to let go of the things that we've put on top of who we are. Number 14, it is truly never too late. Honestly, I want to make this one short and simple because the thing here is, unless you're dead, you still have time. That applies to anything. Unless you're dead, you still have time. And there are so many things in our lives that we are like, oh, my time has passed. I can't do that. It's too late for this. It's too late for that. And it's like, we see this all the time. The time is going to pass that you're moving in. So like, you might as well use it to like do what you want to do or, or be who you want to be or say what you want to say. That time's going to move. So do you want to move with it or do you want to like kind of stay like almost like holding yourself back? But it is never too late never too late to go to therapy. It's never too late to, to work on yourself. It's never too late to get back to school. It's never too late to think about starting a new job. It's never too late to start a new hobby. It's never too late. You could be 95 and you're like, I want to learn how to play the piano. It doesn't mean that you're going to be like incredible piano player, but you could learn maybe. Which brings us to number 15. We made it all the way to the end. And this is one of my favorite things ever. So I know I said in the beginning, like, I can't rank these. But like, this is one of my favorite things in the whole entire world. And it is this simple, simple, simple idea and truth. In fact, that you cannot heal what you refuse to acknowledge. And I save this one for last because it's simple as it sounds. It's one of the most important things I think we can learn to hold on and plant inside of our beings that we can't heal things that we aren't acknowledging. We can't tend to wounds that we pretend aren't there. And it's hard and it's scary, I know, to acknowledge stuff, to acknowledge pain. It's scary. But remember, us not acknowledging pain doesn't make it go away. It just turns our pain into suffering. So I'm going to leave you with that one because I think it's so powerful. And maybe you think about like, what are the things that I'm refusing to acknowledge that like actually deserve some healing? And maybe if I like give myself that healing, it might be easier for me to take some of this armor off and then I can be myself. Is that part you already have the structure to do, be yourself. So there are my 15 things I learned on my journey of being a therapist. And maybe we'll do a part two one day because this list will continue to grow till the end of time and change. And I might change my mind on some of them because we're allowed to do that as humans. We are allowed to change our minds, which gets to go on the list. 
<laughs> but I hope that was helpful for you guys. And I think that you guys could also be making these kinds of lists. Like you could also, I mean, this is a human thing. So you're moving through life. You're also learning things about humanity and yourself and all of that. So this could be a little encouragement to start your own little list of things I've learned from being a human being. If you have any questions, remember you can always email me, Catherine at You Need Therapy Podcast. You can follow me at cat.defada or the podcast at You Need Therapy Podcast on Instagram. I love when you guys connect with me on there and I love when you guys send me emails and questions and all of that. So I'm going to leave you with that and I hope you guys have the very day you need to have, the very week you need to have, and I'm going to go have the Monday that I need to have. Bye guys. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts.